0: Shalom, I'm Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries. I want to welcome you to our radio program, The Chosen People. And our ministry is Chosen People Ministries. Over the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about the mandate of Romans 1.16, the priority of reaching the Jew first and also the Gentile. And we'll continue to talk about this as well as God's plan and purposes for the Jewish people. And by the way, you'll hear at the end of the show, we have a free booklet for you, on God's plan and purposes for the Jewish people that you can study uh, privately and quietly and even use it for your devotions in the next couple of weeks. Uh, But we'll tell you how to get that in a little while. Joining me today is my good friend and colleague, Robert Walter. We call him Bobby, who's the regional director of Chosen People Ministries in New York City. And he also oversees our congregation and works out of the Brooklyn branch of Chosen People Ministries It's just a great place to live and minister, and uh, God is really blessing the work in Brooklyn. So, thanks for taking some time away from that, Bobby, to join us as a co-host today. So, shalom and welcome.
1: Yes, shalom and welcome, Mitch, and uh, welcome to everyone who's listening. You're right, Mitch, Brooklyn is a melting pot. You'll find all different kinds of cultures and people from all over the world, but even within the Jewish community in Brooklyn, it's a melting pot. It's very diverse. And I think this is significant for us, you know, especially uh, considering the topic that we're going to be discussing today, because we have Jewish people from all over the world living in Brooklyn, Jewish people from Syria, from Eastern Europe, from Israel, from South America, from Russia, all over the world, right? So, how did the Jewish people wind up scattered all over the world? I mean, when we read the scriptures, there was one central place, right? The land, and this land of Israel The Promised Land is the topic for today. So we're going to actually continue our conversation, the discussion that we've been having about Abraham and God's promises, God's covenant with Abraham, and we're going to look specifically at the second blessing, the second part of the promise that's in the covenant that God made in Genesis 12, and that is the promise of the land.
0: You know, right off the bat, what's so interesting, is there any other nation in the world who had a people group before they had a land. Hmm. Usually, you have a land where the people live, and that's how they become a people group. Mm-hmm. But in this instance, God created a people and then brought them to a land. Mm-hmm. And so, it's it's very, very different. And so, the, the land, the land of Israel, with boundaries described in uh, Genesis chapter 15— Israel, the nation, living in the land, is is really foundational to the promises of God. Something else, Bobby, that I've been thinking about, and I'd like to encourage our listeners to think about it, and that is we talk about the Abrahamic promises being a covenant, and certainly it is a covenant. It's an agreement by which God orders the lives and events of a group of people that he's in a relationship with. Mm-hmm. And so... That is true. But on the other hand, the Abrahamic covenant, the Abrahamic promises, are prophecies. Hmm. They really are. I mean, take the land. There are a lot of prophecies in the rest of the Bible based upon the Abrahamic promise of the land. There's prophecies of when the Jewish people would be scattered, who would scatter them, why they would be scattered. And then there are prophecies about the Jewish return to the land and how that will come about. One of the ways we know we're in the very last days of the last days is because, I believe, Ezekiel 36, 22 and through the rest of the chapter has been fulfilled. So a lot of people ask, but I think the modern state of Israel, because the Jewish people are back in the land, almost 7 million are back in the land, people say, well, is this a sign of the times? And I oftentimes say yes, and then have people read Ezekiel 36, 22 and following, mm-hmm. and we see that God in the last days, would bring Jewish people back to the land in unbelief. Right. In unbelief. So, if you go to Israel today, you certainly won't see the millennial kingdom, that's for sure. And so, the land is one of those Abrahamic themes that, just like the Jewish people, that just goes all the way through the Bible, starts in Genesis and goes all the way through the book of Revelation because it's in the land of Israel in the very last days that most of the book of Revelation is played out. Right, And so... Uh, Jewish people come back to the land in unbelief, and then Jewish people return, turn to Jesus, and Jesus returns. And so the land flows all throughout Scripture. So let's begin with one of the fundamental promises to the land that the Jewish people were to inherit from the Lord. And so we read, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, to your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenite, Kenazite, and the Kadmaites, and the Hittites, Perizzites, the Rephaim and the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Girgashites, and the Jebusite. And so, like any modern-day land purchase, the deed indicates the boundaries of the land given, from the Nile River, which is mainly modern Egypt and Sudan, to the Euphrates, which is mostly modern-day Iraq, although it might include some other countries as well. So, these are the dimensions and the boundaries of the land of promise. The question, of course, arises, how will Israel acquire the land? Will she have to invade and conquer other countries? The text in Genesis 15 doesn't give us any indication of how Israel will get the land, although we know that there was a movement through Joshua Mm -hmm. uh, to take quite a bit of that land and to establish it as the homeland for the 12 tribes of Israel. However, it does not seem that Joshua took the full land boundaries. Some say David may have taken the full land boundaries, but I don't think David did either, but that, neither one is the point. The promise of God is not that they would set foot on the land boundaries, but that they would keep the land boundaries, that the people would live in the land boundaries. And so the question is, can the Jewish people— Claim that this promise in Genesis 15 has come to pass. The answer is absolutely not. So, even with this, the more sort of the larger post 1967 Israel boundaries that we now have, they are in no way as large as what God promised in Genesis chapter 15. And so, we know that God is going to uh, give the fullness of the land back to his chosen people. And, you know, Bobby, you brought up a really interesting point. I put it this way. Maybe you can answer it. And that is, why is Mitch, who, as far as I know, I have been Jewish on every side of my family forever, and same with my wife. So the question is, why is Mitch living in Brooklyn? (laughs) It's a good question, but can you answer that almost biblically or theologically for us? Well, I think the
1: best way to explain it, the way that I've tried to explain it uh, over the years is that when you look at this particular promise concerning the land that God made to Abraham, it's an unconditional promise concerning the deed of the land. God owns the land, right? He, he, All the earth is his. He gave the deed, the rights to the land, to Abraham and his descendants forever, right? When we keep reading the scripture, when we keep following Israel's history— And we come to the book of Deuteronomy and we're introduced, well, in Exodus and and in Deuteronomy, we're introduced to the Sinai covenant, uh, the Mosaic covenant, and the land is brought up again. And what we learn at the end of Deuteronomy in chapters 27, 28, 29, we learn that the deed of the land, ownership of the land belongs to Israel. That's an unconditional promise from God. But possession of the land, whether or not Israel inhabits the land and possesses it, it's based on uh, her obedience or disobedience. So, that's what we find there. When when Israel disobeyed, uh, then uh, things would not go well for them. Uh, when they obeyed, they would possess the land. The rain would fall, the crops would grow, their women would bear children, their baskets would be full, right? If they disobeyed, it would be the opposite. The rain would not fall, their baskets would be empty because the crops would not grow, their women would be barren. And at the end of Deuteronomy 28, we get this warning from God. That if you disobey me, Israel, to the point where you're not repenting and, and you won't turn away from your sin, then the land will spew you out. You will be torn from the land.
0: So, I, I live in Brooklyn because it's a judgment. <laughs>
1: if, you put it, if you want to put it that way. Uh...
0: <laughs> I don't know how else to put it, but I, I think you're entirely right. You know, you're talking about 27, 28, and 29. Let me read a verse from chapter 30 verses 2 through 4, which really affirm what you're saying. When you and your children return to the Lord and you obey him with all your heart and with all your soul according to everything I command you, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where he scattered you. So in actuality, the Jewish people, based on Ezekiel 36, they come back to the land in unbelief and then God pours out His Spirit in the land, according to Zechariah twelve ten and some other passages. And lo and behold, everything is restored uh, to the Jewish people. And so it's 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 a process. Now, why do the Jewish people turn to the Lord, and why do they stay in the land? Well, the curse is reversed. So. Judgment comes on the basis of the Mosaic Covenant. Potentially blessing could, but we're sinners. And so judgment comes on the basis of the Mosaic Covenant. The restoration of fortunes and the restoration of Israel to the land of Israel and the rebuilding of this country in the way God wants it to be rebuilt, that comes when the Jewish people turn to Jesus. And they turn to Jesus, Jewish people turn to Jesus, because God works in their hearts and turns them and enables them to say yes. And so, the Abrahamic Covenant is a prophecy. It's a prophecy that one day the Jewish people will return to the land and will possess it. And all the way through Jewish history, based on the Mosaic Covenant, we kept losing the land. Mm -hmm. We were there, then we lost it, many times actually. And, but on the basis of the Abrahamic Covenant, this great prophecy of redemption, fulfillment, and the restoration of the Jewish people. Wow, that is something that God will do because God always keeps his word. And when God makes an unconditional covenant, then God undertakes and makes sure that that covenant is enacted and fulfilled. And so that's what we have to look forward to. And it's gonna be a great day, Bobby, and it's gonna lead not only to the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant, but it's gonna lead to the second coming of Jesus.
1: So, Mitch, for thousands of years, people have been fighting over the land of Israel. And today, we're actually going to hear from a man named Al-Fadi, a former jihadist who was determined to become a martyr
0: until he found Jesus. Yeah, Al-Fadi was a former supporter of Osama bin Laden, and he has an incredibly powerful testimony. And I'm not going to tip my hand because I've heard it. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's powerful. But he also comes to some conclusions at the end about Israel and the Jewish people that will just astound you. So listen carefully to our brother Al-Fadi. It was
2: 1979 when I was still not even, maybe barely a teenager at that year, when the Soviets invaded Afghanistan simply because they wanted to support the uh, president who was... Uh, leaning towards communism, and he has a civil war with other factions within the country, so they came to his rescue. And at the same time, the US, Europe, and other allies stepped in and tried to support the factions that were against the Soviets and against communism. And that was the cause that, uh, you know, basically created the emergence of what we call today the Mujahideen, or the fighters for God. And one such person who ended up joining them in the early 80s, no other than Osama bin Laden, who, by the way, his cousins were my friends. We went to school together. And at that time, I was fascinated by the idea of martyrdom in Islam, dying for the God of Islam, shedding my blood for the sake of having my sins being forgiven, no judgment, and being taken straight to paradise, the highest level in heaven. So... I set my eyes on Afghanistan, which is very relevant to what we're dealing with today, by the way. And I was hoping that I can go and join bin Laden and his group, being that he is my countryman, and I was so fascinated by the fact that he was willing to sacrifice everything for the sake of serving Allah. But my mother and my family in general stepped up, uh, stepped in. And they prevented me from doing such a foolish thing. And I can say that this was mile marker number one towards my journey to Christ. And I'm so thankful that that happened. Stayed behind, finished my college uh, studies. And then I came to the West to the US to pursue my graduate degrees. And it was there for the first time that I ended up meeting a born again couple. And that was the first time I've ever met Christians in general. And God used that family in my life to impact my life and to uh, basically plant the first seed of my acceptance of Christ because I was overwhelmed by their love, their joy, their peace, their kindness towards me. And then we engaged in conversations and I began to realize that they are that way because of Jesus. Years passed by. I ended up changing my major at that time, left that family, left that town, left that college, and moved on with my life, and I finished my degree at another campus, another location, and never really connected with this family. And it took me 12 years of a journey looking for Christ, separated from that family. And it was in May of 2001 that I attended church for the first time at the request of another family that was also having spiritual dialogue with me. And I started to go there regularly, and then September 11 happened. And I was so Concern about going to church that weekend because I was worried that people are going to be upset with me, given that 15 out of the 19 hijackers for, were from Saudi. And I knew fe- uh, very well why they did what they did, because they wanted to die as martyrs, just like I wanted to do the same back then. But here's the thing. I ended up going, and I listened to one of the most powerful sermons ever being preached from the Gospel of Matthew, from the Sermon on the Mount, In chapter five, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And that was the turning point for me. That was the nail that sealed the coffin for me, literally dying to myself and rising with Christ, having eternal life. I got down on my knees two months later and I prayed and I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. And one of the most powerful transformations that happened to me is that not only I felt transformation from within to become a new creation as the Bible teaches. But even my own feelings toward the Jews that I used to hate with a passion growing up as a Muslim, looking at them as occupiers, never understanding why they were in that land, to appreciating the story and the history of the people of God, the chosen people, Israel, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, and understanding their place in the salvation plan of God and how God used them to also bring uh, Christ through that lineage, through that, uh, the seed of Abraham, uh, which I am so proud to say I am one of his spiritual children today. And my attitude towards the Jews have changed. I pray for those who do not know Christ, of course, whether Jews or Gentiles, but I am so thankful to call the, the Messianic Jews to be my brothers and sisters in Christ. So, glory to God in the highest. Amen.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. So, Mitch, we've been really talking about some heavy stuff here regarding the land of Israel and how it was an unconditional promise Uh, part of the Abrahamic promise that Israel and the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would be the owners of the land. They have the deed to the land. I thought it would be good if we sort of continue in this conversation and just take a few minutes to answer some questions.
0: Sure. Is Jerusalem Israel's capital? I have no idea. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, You got to have fun. What, what, What would radio be without fun? Uh, is Jerusalem Israel's capital? Well, Jerusalem has always been the capital of Israel. In fact, Jerusalem was a city that God chose as the capital for Israel. It's, God chose the place where he would put the temple. And so Jerusalem has always been the capital of Israel, whether or not man understands it or puts an embassy in there. But without a doubt... There's no Israeli, there's no Jewish person that ever had any doubt that Jerusalem was the capital of Israel. Jerusalem is Israel's capital. But I think that we can see that Jerusalem has been the capital of Israel. Today, it is once again the capital of Israel, enacted, so to speak, although the prime minister has always lived in Jerusalem, and one day, the true king of Israel Will live and reign in Jerusalem.
1: All right, Mitch, so one more question for you here. Uh, and this has to do with the modern state of Israel. So what is the law of return, and why does it exist?
0: The law of return, very simply, is the right of Jewish people to return to the land of Israel and become citizens. And so this whole process is called making aliyah. Aliyah means to go up. Jerusalem is in the mountains, so you always go up to Jerusalem. So symbolically, Uh, It's, you're basically going up to Jerusalem, you're making Aliyah. Whether you come from Latin America, you come from France, or you come from Russia, or you come from the United States. So that's the law of return. It's making Aliyah and becoming a citizen of Israel.
3: Israel and the Jewish people have played a huge role in world history and are still an important part of God's plan. After all, God chose this tiny people group to bring salvation to the whole world through Messiah Jesus. If it weren't for the Jewish people, we would not have a relationship with the Father as we have it today. But sadly, many Jewish people still do not know Jesus as their Messiah, and God's heart still breaks for them. So let's join in their story, playing the role that God wants us to play in their salvation. As Paul wrote, I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, Romans one sixteen. Do you want to see the power of God in 2022? Unite with his heart to reach the Jewish people for Jesus, and you will see him unleash his purpose, promise, and power in your church and community like never before. Let's make God's priority our priority on January 16th, 2022.
1: To learn more, just visit ChosenPeople.com radio. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. Well, each month we send out a monthly newsletter that offers articles about the Messianic Jewish faith, about the Jewish roots of Christianity, Jewish holidays, and their fulfillment in Jesus. And our monthly e-newsletter includes videos and podcasts, a summary of the latest news from Israel and the latest resources like this month's offer, a booklet that Mitch wrote called God's Plan and Purposes for the Jewish People.
0: That booklet, Bobby, is to give my fellow Jewish friends and family, along with believers in Jesus across the globe, an overview of God's plan and purposes for the Jewish people revealed in the Bible. It's going to touch on all of these topics that we're discussing this month, and we'll send it to you free of charge. We want you to have it. When you call us at 888 the number 2 Yeshua, Y E S H U A, that's the Jewish name for Jesus, 888 293 7482. And I really hope that you'll just take a moment and send for the booklet so that you can know more about Chosen People Ministries and how to share the gospel with Jewish people and to be kept up to date about what's happening in Israel. So be sure to get this booklet because that will then open the door for you to be on our e-newsletter list, or you can even get our physical newsletter so that you can learn more about your Jewish heritage in Christ. And you can also
1: request God's plan and purposes online at chosenpeople.com slash offer. That's chosenpeople.com slash offer. You can also request the book when you write to us at Chosen People Ministries, 241 East 51st Street, New York, New York 10022. We look forward to hearing from you soon. And now, to close us with the ironic Benediction, here is Mitch Glazer with singer and songwriter Marty Goetz. Yivarecha
2: <laughs> Adonai v'yishmarecha Ya'er p'anavelecha
0: v'chunecha Yisa Adonai p'anavelecha V'yesem lecha shalom. V'yesem lecha shalom. V'yesem shalom. V'yesem shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift His countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. Beshem Shal Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.